0: All right, well, good morning and happy Father's Day. I, I think this is national, uh, let your husbands buy any tool that he wants to day. So families, just keep that in mind as, uh, as the afternoon progresses. Um, my name is Terry Meyer again, and I'm uh, the director of family life ministries at uh, GCF, and I have the privilege of working with our families and family ministries. So welcome. We're glad you're here for this, uh, this summer series in Psalms. Uh, Let me pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word. Lord, we ask you to uh, fill us with your spirit right now, Lord. Uh, Help us to hear your word. Help us to understand it. Help us to apply it. Lord, I pray that we, uh, we wouldn't walk away from this time without our hearts impacted. And we know, Lord, that you are the one that changes hearts. Lord, you... Uh, change our hearts, desires, our plans, and I pray, Lord, that you would, for all of us, that you would help us to trust in the name of the Lord, Uh, not just this morning, Lord, but uh, for a lifetime. So be gracious to us, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I was just wrapping up uh, a first-period chemistry class. I taught chemistry out at Medical Lake Uh, for 10 years, and it was a typical class, typical day, and as we began to uh, get our things ready to transition to the next class, we were interrupted uh, by screaming uh, in the hallway. Uh, People running around, uh, crying, Uh, and it was September 11th, uh, 2001. At 846, American Airlines Flight 11 uh, was taken over by terrorists and intentionally flew into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. Uh, By 9 a.m., every single television at Medical Lake High School was on, and staff and students were watching, uh, really in horror, as uh, another airline, uh, United Airline Flight 175, flew into the South Tower. Now, the response from the staff and the students alike was disbelief, anger, grief, Uh, but mainly fear, because out at Medical Lake, uh, many of the children were uh, children of military pilots and support staff, and so that they knew that their parents were very likely going to war. You know, the United States is the greatest military that the world has ever known, but even with this, we learned that we cannot fully trust it uh, to protect protect our land and our people. And I think this was part of the shock that if we can't trust the greatest military uh, force that the world has ever known, then, then who can we trust? You know, in truth, we, ha- we have a natural predisposition uh, to trust in our own very limited resources uh, rather than trust in him. You know, when we're afraid, my cell phone comes with a factory setting. Well, I think the human condition comes with a factory setting as well, and it really is to trust ourselves, trust our own abilities, our bank accounts, our salary, our family, friends, instead of trusting in the name of the Lord. And that's really what this message is about, is what does it mean to trust in the name of the Lord? Uh, So our message is going to be in three parts this morning. Uh, where we will explore what it means to trust in the name of the Lord. We'll explore the people or the citizens of Jerusalem trust in his name, the king trust in his name, and then finally, we're going to apply it. How does Psalm 20 relate to you and I? How do we trust in his name? So a little bit of background information before we get started. Now, um, this psalm is one of the royal psalms, and it was sung by the Israelites as, as part of the process of the king going to battle. So let me paint a picture for you that will help Psalm 20 to get into context. So imagine this. And really this is from Second Samuel chapter 5. A news comes to Jerusalem that the Philistines are preparing for battle just five miles outside of the city. Now David's first response to prepare for battle is to inquire of the Lord. He would go into the sanctuary. He would offer sacrifices for himself. And the key thing is that he would seek the Lord. How should we, how should I do battle with the Philistines or whoever was attacking them? And as he does this, the citizens of Jerusalem are outside the tent praying for their king. And so what we see here is the first five verses are the citizens of Jerusalem praying for their king and then followed by uh, David's response in verses 6 through 8. So now it's important to understand that this was not a, a casual prayer. Um, they knew that the, if the king should fail, there would be nothing in the way of the Philistines coming right into Jerusalem. So this, this prayer was a very earnest a very serious prayer by the citizens and also David himself. So let's begin with the people trust in his name. So what does it mean to trust in his name? Uh, Look with me at verse 1. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Now, this is an interesting phrase in the name of the God of Jacob, and in another phrase a little bit later in verse 7, in the name of the Lord. Now, when my kids say that they trust me, they they don't say, I trust in the name of my dad. That'd be a little bit odd. What they say is, I trust my dad. So why the use of the word name? Well, the word name or adding that biblically is referring to God's reputation, his character, his attributes. Think of an ambassador going to a foreign country, and the ambassador's job is to come in the name of the President of the United States. Right now, Anthony Blinken is in China, I think right now as, we, as we're talking. And now while he's there, uh, he doesn't go in his own name, but in the name of the President in all that the United States represents. And the only authority that he has has been given to him by the president. So when he's there, we say that he is going in the name of the president of the United States. You know, likewise, David, uh, uh, they're praying that David would fight with the power and the authority of God in the name of the Lord. So here's another illustration. In, um, in uh, Exodus 34, God is proclaiming his name to Moses. Now in Exodus 33, Moses says to God, show me your glory. So it's that wonderful story where he takes Moses and he puts him in a cleft in the rock and he passes by Moses and he puts his hand over him and then as he's passing by, he's proclaiming his name um, and it takes up in Exodus 34 verse five. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children. And the children's children to the third in the fourth generation. So we see here when God tells Moses his name, he's really talking about his own character, who he is, his nature, who he is, and what he does. And this is an important context for understanding the first five verses in Psalm 20. Um, Because when the people are praying in his name, in his character, or in his nature, They use the phrase, may the Lord. And this is important. Uh, May the Lord answer. May the Lord send help. May the Lord fulfill all your plans. Now, this is not just wishful thinking. May the Lord do such and such. I I, I teach chemistry over at Spokane Classical, and when I'm giving out tests to the students, I'll often Give a little blessing for them. Like, oh, may you do well on this exam. May you do well on this exam. May you do well. Well, the, the truth is there's some of my students, I don't think there's any in this room, who if I hand them the test, I say may you do well. But it's, uh, it's very possible that they might not do so well. We'll just say that. But there are students, however, Uh, When I hand them a test and I say, may you do well on this exam, I know their reputation. I know their character. I know that they're going to just destroy this test. So when I hand it to them, the may becomes, oh, you're going to do really well on this. And I'm excited to see what you're going to do. Well, it's sort of like that uh, with the Israelites. When they say, may the Lord do such and such, it's, it's assured because they know God's character. They know what he's like. They know he's a great rescuer and, so, and they know his name. Uh, so let me ask you, what do you trust in when difficult times occur? What name do you rely on? The, the truth is when difficulties happen, we all rely on something. So for example, when you're having difficulty as a parent, what do you turn to? There's so many magazine articles on the 12 things that great parents do. Or do you plead with a merciful God, a gracious God who keeps steadfast love to thousands, forgives wickedness, transgression, and sin? His name is, is really the only name you can appeal to for your children. Another example. Now, knowing what God is like is a major part of being able to trust him. So if you want to trust him more, You have got to be in his word regularly, even even daily be in his word. The more you read the word, the more that you know what he's like, and the more you know what he's like, the more you trust him. Trusting in his name is, is you coming to know what he's like. So we looked at what it means to trust in the name of the Lord, but what were they trusting for? And two things are mentioned here. First, they're trusting for protection and help for the king. So the citizens of Jerusalem are outside the tent pleading with God for their king that they, that he, God would protect him and help him. And look at verses 1 and 2 with me. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. This is such a beautiful picture of God caring for his children. The day of trouble in Hebrew is a a very strong word, meaning being in extreme distress. Uh, The picture of here is being in dire straits, uh, a tight spot hemmed in, nowhere to go, and, and alone. You're trapped, you're cornered, no one to come to your rescue. And when he says, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you, the Hebrew word for protect is literally to take you out of that place you're in and put you on a a high spot that's safe, that's secure, that's broad. So you're not hemmed in anymore. You're in a spot that's broad and safe. Now, so picture the God of Jacob reaching down in your difficulty. You're not able to help yourself. You're hemmed in, nowhere to go, and God lifts you up out into a broad place. Now, on May twenty fifth, 2006, uh, climber Lincoln Hall was helpless and close to death on the side of Mount Everest. Uh, He and his team had just summited uh, Mount Everest, and on the way down, he began to suffer with uh, altitude sickness. He wasn't able to walk, he wasn't able to think clearly, and he even began to hallucinate. So his party left him there for dead. And they went down. And actually they reported that Hall had died on the uh, side of Mount Everest. But uh, by God's grace, the next day Daniel Mazur and his team came across, um, came across Hall, uh, who was barely alive, uh, but he was alive. And though they were just two hours from the summit of Mount Everest, they abandoned the summit of Mount Everest to to help Hall and walk him down to the base camp, uh, to, the, to the shock of his former team. You know, I, I want you to know that God is like this. God is a great rescue of those who trust him. You know, we know that God is like this because Jesus is like this. You know, he abandoned his position in heaven, a place where he enjoyed incredible love between he and the Father. Uh, he abandoned it, he infinitely humbled himself, And became a man to reach down and rescue us from our greatest enemy, which is our own sin. So what else were they trusting God for? That God would remember the king's sacrifice and fulfill all his plans. Uh, Look with me at verses 3 and 4. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. Now, it was common for the king before he went into battle that he would seek the Lord and offer sacrifices for his own sin. He wanted to make sure that his relationship with the Lord was right. And David's primary objective was to uh, obey God and align his will or his battle plans with God's will. You know, David was a good, good king. Was, uh, the whole list of kings, all of the kings are compared to David, Um, and he loved and obeyed God. So so the heart's desires you see there in verse four did not originate from David himself. They were God's heart's desires. They were his plans. And the book of Acts describes David in this way. Uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 22. After removing Saul, he made David their king, God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Now, there's a New Testament example that we recently looked at uh, where God's desires and plans become our own desires and plans. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, Um, will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, according to my character, according to who I am, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. You know, tagging... Uh, the phrase, in Jesus' name, to the end of a prayer, it's not a spell or a charm that someone adds uh, so that the prayer will be answered. And, And I know we don't think that way. Being granted your heart's desires and having your plans fulfilled means making God's desires and plans your own desires and plans, which really only comes from trusting in his name. So could you imagine... If our heart's desires completely reflected God's heart's desires for us, could you imagine the prayers that would be answered? You know, I I wonder if the reason sometimes that we don't enjoy uh, answered prayer uh, or we don't enjoy seeing the power of God is because we're more interested in our own personal desires uh, rather than God's. We look to God as a means of fulfilling our own needs rather than trusting in Him alone. Which gives him the glory that he deserves. But the good news is this praise the Lord and thank you for his grace. uh, That if you're a Christian, God is working in you to change your heart's desires, your plans into his own. Uh, Now, after verse 5, the uh, psalm takes a turn. Uh, It's no longer the citizens of Jerusalem that are praying for the king, but the king himself is praying in verses 6 through 8, which leads us to our second point, the king trusts in his name. Now, what's the nature of David's trust in uh, the Lord? Well, we know that the king's trust leads to certainty. It leads to certainty. Look with me at verse 6. Now, I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy hill with the saving might Of his right hand. Now, most commentators believe that David is talking in the third person here about himself, which he often does in the Psalms. So, I want you to notice something here: that the uh, the people prayed in verse two that God would send help from the sanctuary and give support from Zion. And both the sanctuary and the in Zion were in Jerusalem, in the city of Jerusalem. Um, But the king trusted that God would rescue him directly from heaven which would be necessary for David because he and his army were in a battlefield outside of Jerusalem. And David was certain of victory again because David's plans and heart's desires were, were uh, not his own. They came directly from the Lord. Uh, but also, and this is encouraging to me, uh, David was a man of war. David had many, many opportunities to trust God in very difficult situations. Uh, through many battles, victories, and, and probably many failures, David, uh, uh, he knew firsthand God's ability and desire to save those who trust him. Now, I need to say, even as I read verse six, I must confess that there are times that I'm not certain that God is going to come through for me in a particular situation. And I think if we are all honest all of us have certain areas of our lives that we're we're pleading with God for deliverance, pleading for rescue, and and we struggle with trusting him. So what should you do if that is the case with you? Well, first remember, as I said before, David is a man of war. Uh, You you treat... um, he has had hundreds of opportunities to trust in the Lord alone to experience rescue. And trusting God during trouble is something that you grow in. I, personally, I trust God more that he's going to come through for me now than I did a year ago. And much, much more than I did 10 years ago. So it's an important thing that, uh, that your life trajectory is moving towards trusting him more and more. It's not a uh, place trusting in the name of the Lord. is not something that you arrive at. It's something that you grow in. So what do you do if you lack trust? Uh, you treat it as you would any sin. Uh, confess your lack of trust to him and turn to him and ask him to help you grow in your trust in him. And also, again, if you're not in the word regularly, you're going to have a difficult time trusting him. Commit yourself to knowing God by being in his word. And and the wonderful thing is is when you trust him and he rescues you, it gives you the ability to trust him for the next trial and because there is always a next trial while we're here on earth. Now the second observation about the king's trust in the name of the Lord is that the king trusts exclusively in his name. Uh, Look with me at verse 7. Uh, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. This is kind of the key verse from this chapter. Now, God wanted the kings of Israel to trust him differently than all the nations around. All the nations were concerned about getting more and more horses, more and more chariots. Um, but God wants his, his people to trust in his name only. Therefore, he gave the king this command. Uh, This is in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 17. The king, moreover, must not acquire great number of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. Now, if the horses are sort of like the, I guess they would be like the tank of the day. Um, Chariots were sort of the Apache helicopters, I guess. Now, God knows what's best for us, and he knows that we have a natural predisposition to trust really everything else uh, besides his power to rescue and give us victory. So, so actually, and this sounds horrible, but David actually, when he conquered a nation, he would hamstring all the horses Uh, he captured to obey the Lord's command in this. Now, I know this sounds awful for those of us who love horses. Sorry. Uh, Some of us who love horses, but David trusted in the Lord much more than he did the major weapons of war uh, in his time. He knew that deliverance came from the Lord himself. Now, and I also think that David understood our natural predisposition to trust uh, in other things for rescue. So he, he left really no other option. You know, here in Cortes, the Spanish conquistador, was ordered to explore the interior of Mexico. And so he was very excited to do that. Uh, but then the orders changed, and he was told not to do that. But he thought, no, I'm going to continue doing that. And so to keep his men with him, uh, legend has it that he burned his ships to give his men no other option uh, but to continue exploring Me- uh, Mexico with Cortez. Now, when it comes to our life challenges, we, we have a tendency to return to what's comfortable, what's easy other than trusting in, in God. And now, why do we do this? Well, as Dave preached last week, I think we struggle with pride. Um, and we love control. You know, if we trust in him, we're essentially saying, okay, Lord, I give you control over whatever issue is coming up. And we're, we're saying, okay, Lord, it's, it's in your court. Please work. And we, ha- we have a natural predisposition not to do that. Now, let me uh, challenge you. So if you're facing, for example, health challenges this morning, you know, God is the one who determined the day that you were born and he has the day that you will leave earth already determined. He's the one who gives health. And, and I do believe that he uses health challenges uh, for a purpose in your life, to draw you to trusting him. You know, he will use doctors, but we trust in the name of the Lord for our health. If you're worried about your finances, the Lord is the one who prospers. He's the one who gives wealth. Work hard, but trust in the name of the Lord for his provision. You know, if you have challenges with your child or with your children, uh, your, your parenting acumen can't save you or your children. You trust in the name of the Lord on behalf of your children. Call on him. You know, if you rely on your own personal horses and chariots here on earth, God loves you incredibly, and he loves you so much that he may very well wrestle away from you everything that you would be trusting in uh, because he wants you to trust in him alone because he knows that is what is best for you and I. You know, I I wonder if it could be that uh, all of the sufferings that you're going through, the trials of life which we all have, the loss that you're experiencing, are designed by a holy and loving God so that you might experience the greatness uh, of trusting in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, this leads to our final point. How do we apply Psalm 20 to our lives? So, the third point, our trust in the name of the Lord, our trust in the name of the Lord. So, who's our enemy today? Now, The Amalekites are not on the outskirts of Spokane waiting to invade us. The Canadians are not rushing across the border to occupy our land. Well, not yet. And I don't think they have guns up there. But anyway, now, our enemy is not the LGBTQ plus agenda. Our enemy are not our government officials or our leaders. It's not those that we have relational challenges with. Those are not our enemies. Our enemy, our greatest enemy, is our own sinful nature in Satan. And Satan's main goal is that we we would live out the entirety of our lives living by our own sinful nature, which ultimately leads to death. Uh, Our sinful nature leads to death. The, the, The factory setting for the human leads to death. God has to intervene to take us out of that. Uh, Paul says in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me read that last phrase again. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who is our king today? Jesus Christ is the king who perfectly Fulfilled Psalm 20. He's the son of David. Both David and Jesus left the city of Jerusalem to do battle. David was on a battlefield against an invading army. Jesus on Golgotha, just outside Jerusalem, on a rescue mission to break the power of sin for those who trust him. Now, both were joyfully confident that the Father would give them victory. A David for victory in battle. But Jesus' joy was that many would be set free from the power of sin in death by taking the penalty for their sin to enable people to be part of his kingdom who were formerly not part of his kingdom. And that was incredible joy. If you want to know what God's heart desire is, his plans for your life, is that you would be set free from sin and brought into his kingdom and enjoy trusting him for a lifetime. He, Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. closely. I can see, get rid of your horses and chariots. Get rid of the things that you're trusting in. Turn to him. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, I love this part. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is God's heart desires that you may trust him that you may be set free from the power of sin and become citizens of his kingdom. And there is incredible joy in trusting God with our life challenges. And even in every circumstance we find ourselves in, trusting him and seeing his power work through you is an incredible joy. And that's God's joy as well. It's it's his heart's desires that you would know him. Now, If God is calling you right now to trust him, maybe he's calling you to trust him for the first time. Maybe you have never trusted him before. Uh, Maybe in a particular area of life. Uh, During communion, come down and talk to the leaders who are going to be at my left side and in my right side. Uh, And they would love to help you um, uh, process what does it mean to trust in his name? Now, the attack on the World Trade Center led to massive changes in our world with the hopes that we would live in more peace and more security. And these changes are worldwide, the changes that we've gone through since 2001. You know, but there is another peace and security available for you that you can enjoy today, that you can even enjoy this morning. It's a peace with God that our sins have been atoned for through the death of his son, It's a security that only comes from moment by moment trusting in the name of his son, Jesus. Let's pray.